Hi, this is Catherine Mary Stewart from The Last Starfighter, Night of the Comet, and Weekend at Bernie's. And you are listening to Retro Life for You. Hello again, everybody. Once again, we are back with another fantabulous show for you about... Spectacular. Um, as you can see, Travis over here. Am I going the wrong way again? I am. Yep, you are. Well, that was right to begin with. You're on oh, over there. Chris, Chris over here. Travis, I can't. I can't point. Chris, point. he's in the he's in the screen next to me here. He's uh, all decked out for a little bit of a John Hughes. Day. Yeah, little John Hughes day. Uh, we hey, thought hey, we hey. would take an episode and uh, talk about John Hughes and all the fine work that he's done. But you know, I mean, he's done before lot. we get too deep into things, Travis, man, how's your week going? Well, you been doing anything oh. interesting? Man, we did good, man. We uh, yeah, we went on a camping trip uh, up here, a place around my neck of the woods. We call it a horse pasture. It's just way off back in the Appalachian Mountains, and uh, had a camping trip with a, one of my best friends, and took my son and his stepson out there, or son-in-law, I mean, out there, and had a big old time camping and fishing and teaching them how to be self-reliant. So we had I'm a good. Time. Of, how about yourself? I, I'm all kinds of jealous. I just had to work. Oh yeah, usually that's what I'm doing for sure. I took PTO, so <laughs> well, that's a good thing. At least you're getting paid to have fun, then, right? Yeah. Well, PTO is for today, though. PTO but I'm still having fun because I'm here with you. That's right. I mean, you, uh, look, you probably have more fun here with me than you did on the camping trip. You just don't want to admit it because you don't want to hurt right. people's feelings. Maybe. It could and be. I understand that, so I'm gonna play along with you, and I'm gonna be like, you know what? It's all right. You like them better than me. It's cool. I mean, I'm just a co-host of the show. Yeah, so I uh, took yeah. PTO to be off with you though. That yeah, was just regular right. time off this weekend. That's right. See, but I'm usually got... working though. I still am usually working. I still pull some hours. It's crazy. Yes. I thought yes. it was gonna be less getting into what I got into, but no. But well, that's life, and here we are. Life, and here we are. You know who else and, probably put in a ton of overtime? Uh, John, John Hughes. <laughs> you know why John Hughes puts in a ton of overtime? I think because... that man. Because he made great movies. He made great movies. He made now, great he did a lot. I mean, it's not that it's not like he just wrote the movies. I mean, he did no. direct some of them. He produced some of them. Produced in them. He's acted um, in some. We actually um, talked about this beforehand. I mean, how would we dip into this with John Hughes? Will we take the, only the ones he directed? Will we right. take the ones that he wrote? Did it include screenplays? I exactly. mean, what would we do? And we get to thinking, we couldn't just take the ones that he directed that cut us down to about i think what was it seven or eight something like that yeah somewhere in there i mean he acted in three of them just bit mm-hmm. pieces nothing major i don't think right he got paid well for those though i'm sure he did he'd take a man who's had his fingers in so many movies that now i did i was talking to you about this before the show and and this was awesome yeah i did uh a search a deep dive into how much this man's box office, his lifetime box office earnings have been. And this isn't just as a director or producer or anything. We're talking about everything that he's done with cinema combined. And I could be a little bit off somewhere, but in the calculations that I got, and I couldn't get this all together either. I had to go pick lifetime earnings from one place and another and put them together. <clears throat> but the number that I came up with was $3 billion. Four hundred ninety-four million two hundred one thousand seven hundred eighty-six dollars that this man has produced at the box office. Like that, uh, his gross 
total income for everything he's ever done at the box office, which is staggering. I wonder now that that's that's the money he's made off of just off his work. Not that he made personally, but that's what his right. work brought in. Right. I mean, that's ticket sales. Just, and, yeah. Right. So I mean, it just makes you wonder for he himself. I mean, what is his, his actual net worth for a while there? Ooh, I mean, after all of that going on. Yeah, yeah, that, I, that one's one I would I would have to uh, I'd have to look that one up to see what it no, was. I mean, it may not tell. Though. It, I guess it may be it. you maybe uh, you'd have to do it at his at his time of death, which was uh, August 6, thousand nine. Two thousand nine, yes. Um, very awkward. I mean, I want to say awkward. Very odd deal. Just walking through, I think, a park in New York, mm-hmm. taking a stroll, and died of a I guess a massive heart attack. It was a fatal heart attack for sure. Right. Uh, just you know, I don't. I'm not. Well, how old was he at that point? Two thousand nine. Fifty. I believe he was coming up on fifty or right at fifty. He was born in nineteen fifty. So if he died in two thousand nine, that would have made him fifty nine, wouldn't he? He's coming up on sixty then. Wow. Yeah. Suffered a fatal heart attack. His legacy after his death was honored by many, including at the eighty second Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. Actors with whom he had worked with, such as Molly Ringwald, Matthew Broderick, Anthony Michael Hall, Macaulay Culkin, among others, you know, pay tribute to him there. Right. Actors whose careers he was helped launch included Michael Keaton, Anthony Michael Hall, Bill Paxton, Matthew Broderick, Macaulay Culkin, and members of the Brat Pack group. Which we were talking about, you know, Brat Pack earlier. Uh, I told you that he as a younger, I guess a young adult teenager was big kind of into the Beatles and knew a lot about the Rat Pack back mm-hmm. in the day. Um, so Which Rat weren't Pack the Beatles. Was, that was Sammy and exactly. uh, Blue Eyes and all those cats. So for, for the ones who don't know, though, who are we talking about here? Sammy Davis Jr., you got yeah. uh, Frank Sinatra, what, mm-hmm. uh, Dean Martin. Dean Martin, uh, yeah. Was Jerry, was, was Jerry Lewis a part of that? I think he was loosely associated I don't think he was that an actual part of the Rat Pack itself. I mean, I could be wrong. I didn't. I, that's before my time. Now, the Rat Pack was actually Frank Sinatra's like close knit circle. So, so yeah, he may have been associated, but I don't. Yeah. Think so I mean, he kind of created his own Rat Pack in a sense, but since they right. were teenagers, referred to them as the Rat Pack. Absolutely. Oh, kind and of, to answer our question that we were asking a while ago, we were wondering about uh, he was at his time of death. He was net worth was. One hundred and fifty million dollars. Wow, which is not too shabby. No, not too shabby at all. I mean, that'll get you a few happy meals. All right. Yeah, I mean today, today anyway. You know, I mean, not a happy meal back in the time in the eighties. He was making these movies because they were cheap then. Yeah. You know, happy meals now are probably ten bucks, and you know, yeah, you could have bought a you might have could have bought a whole McDonald's for that back then. You know, I imagine a lot less. Maybe, but less. But um, you know, let's take a look at some things here about Mr. John Hughes. Not only is he a very accomplished, you know, screenwriter there for movies and directing and doing his producing and such. Uh, without deep diving too much into his early life and everything, mm-hmm. uh, born in 1950 in Lansing, Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, the only boy in the family, I believe, and had three sisters. I, I believe so. Correctly. I believe so. Uh, described as a quiet kid, funny enough, but uh, wrote movies like There Was No Tomorrow. 
a uh, company that he worked for um, kind of got him into the vicinity of National Lampoons, where he was able to go in and visit and you know, like visit the place and then get to mm-hmm. write for him some. Mm-hmm. And they said he could write movies so well and so fast, it was hard for a monthly publication to keep up with him. Right. I mean, that's. I had read somewhere right too. There. I had read somewhere earlier too that um, his son, I believe, when his son was born, that he had already written like four years of letters to his son by the time he was a couple of months old. So he was a sit. They said it was like an obsession for him writing. Just he would sit and write letters and to send in the future or something, you know, like a legacy to leave behind or whatever. It's, it's like he's got this this place somewhere it says, on this day and this time, mail this out. Yeah, right, sure right. There. It might right. be a little freaky if I'm not here, but continue doing so. Continue to do this. Uh, first credited screenplay, National Lampoon's Class Reunion, mm-hmm. written while on staff at the magazine National Lampoon. Uh, the resulting film became the second disastrous attempt by the flagship to duplicate the runaway success of National Lampoon's Animal House. Right. Animal House did such a, it had such a following with it. You know, yeah, well, it was, I mean, it was a hilarious movie, too. It was. I mean, you know, Belushi. I mean, yeah. <laughs> come on. You put Belushi uh, in there, you go. Right. Uh, it says Hughes' next screenplay for the imprint, however, National Lampoon's Vacation will become a major hit in 83 along with the success of another script that same year, Mr. Mom, earned him a three-film deal with Universal Pictures. Mm-hmm. Touchback on National Lampoon's Vacation, though. You were telling telling me earlier this is based on uh, something he had based written on one of his, Yeah, it was based on one of his very first short stories, which was uh, named Vacation 58. And it was based on his own recollections of his family's vacations during his childhood. Right. And uh, he sold the rights to it to the company. I can't remember... Was it Paramount? Uh, I believe. I can't remember. I can't recall, but he sold the rights of it to to them. Warner Brothers. It was Warner Brothers. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you to me. Thank <laughs> you to Warner yourself. Brothers. And uh, they wanted you him to You did a good job. And... Pat yourself on the back. Yeah. Okay? Thank you, memory. <laughs> right. oh, 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 oh. Don't break your arm going so fast there. It wasn't that good. <laughs> I hear you. Like, yeah, but uh they he had they got the they asked him to go ahead and flesh out a screenplay for it, mm-hmm. and which he did. And um he didn't direct it or anything, but he went ahead and 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 screen he did the screenplay for that one and he did the screenplay for um National Lampoon's European vacation, and he was a little upset with the way that the the company handled the production that he went ahead and wrote fully wrote out um christmas vacation and i think he had a little more hands-on on the creative process and everything that went on with christmas probably vacation. Yeah, but we'll, we'll dive a little deeper into those later on when it comes to the yeah. vacations and everything we'll talk a lot more about those actually those are some of the best movies that they made chevy chase man he did all kind of w stuff. Griswold. He, actually, uh, he got into um Got into a little bit of advertising too. He actually did some commercials for Virginia Slims, those cartoonishly long cigarettes back in the one twenties. Uh, made women happy everywhere. Well, oh my goodness! Made women with bangs everywhere happy. You had to have you had to have three foot tall bangs, and a, and a Virginia Slim one twenty. Then he uh, he wrote for uh, he was a freelance gag writer. Um, he wrote for Rodney Dangerfield and Joan Rivers. And, now, did he, he write for him or did he, or, on the side? 
did he write for him or or did or did was he selling them jokes that he had written as a that, part that, of his the latter the latter it was like that's what I say with him being a freelance gag writer so he'd come up with an idea or a joke or whatever and then he'd yeah. peddle the the idea well, around I, I thought i'd read he had sold them jokes before yeah uh, to him. that that was you know and dangerfield and i guess everybody said maybe dangerfield didn't write his own you know a lot of his own material maybe for all we know all his you know, no respect bit was, you know, thanks to John Hughes. I don't know that he did no, that. I mean, you know, yeah. really well, that, know. Like, you know, John Rivers was known as a, as she was a big TV personality, not necessarily known for stand up and stuff. So, you right. know, being involved in skit humor and, and variety shows and things of that nature, it could have been something. Right. Talk show host. Right. Probably, I mean, she did, was in, and she was funny when she wanted to be. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say she absolutely. was absolutely uh, diehard funny to me, but. Right. She, she definitely had her moments. Um, well, let's see. We're going to kind of jump around a little bit here, Travis, when it comes to the movies. That way we're not uh, being too predictable, we'll say. Right, right. Yeah, we're not going to go with like top 10 list or, or like no. in order of greatest to worst or, or you know, what, alphabetical what we, or, or year of release or anything like that. We just threw us a list together of our, what we think are the top 10 franchise ten of our favorites of his at least yeah our favorites and um it it got kind of hard to narrow down to the 10 honestly so what we have actually done Mm -hmm. uh we took uh the home alone series and the national lampoon series and counted them as one apiece just to be fair right absolutely so but uh the first movie travis i've just seen Mm -hmm. some here a second i want to go with you real quick here Mm mm-hmm Nope, that's coming up in a minute. My bad. The first movie that we're going to talk about is The Breakfast Club. Absolutely. Now, uh, I mean, obviously, one of the greatest 80 movies. One of, oh, my God. Like, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt. It's among the top. It's, as far as the 80s go, like, if it's not got Arnold or Sylvester in it, this, and this, is, this is one of my favorites, without a doubt. Exactly, and it's it's just a great story all around. The kids that are in detention for the day, each one of them a different entity, a different person with a different backstory. Uh, none of them have nothing in common with each other. It seems like you've got Emilio Estevez, who's the jock. You've got the jock with the leather Allie, jacket on, right? Ali Sheedy to the left, just black the hair. Right. There, she is just the the weird child, the weird kid of the right, group. the emo kid. Before she's emo, before it was cool, right? Right, right. Uh, Judd Nelson at the top, the bad boy. He, yeah, he would be like the the greaser, I guess, from the 50s, or he's just, yeah, he's the bad boy nowadays. Don't really do the sports, don't really, don't, don't go to dances, just kind of, he's a dude out back smoking a cigarette, not getting caught. Right. He's (laughs) the one in the boys' room you hear about. Yeah, yeah. Smoking in the boys' room. Anthony Michael Hall in the center there. Everybody knows him from so many other things. But this movie right here, I mean, one of his best movies, in my opinion. And it doesn't revolve just around him, which which is what I think makes it great about him and everything. His character is great. He's Mm -hmm. kind of a focal point in a way, which you see at the end of the movie, because he's the one who handles writing the letter or the it wasn't really a letter like an essay they had to write to the right, right. principal that's why they well, think well, you know, who you they the, are and why they're there that makes you watch the movie you know he's the nerd he's your classic he, nerd he's the character. nerd exactly he's the one he's gonna be best with words and all that 
Right. Good with words. Good. You know, he's got to get the grades. His parents get pressure on him to get the good grades in school. He's got to do well. Mm-hmm. You know, and at the bottom, Molly Ringwald. There we got Molly Ringwald. Would you think of eighties and eighties actresses? If the first actress off your lips is not Molly Ringwald, then you didn't grow up in the eighties. That's pretty true. Yeah. I mean, she was. You know, I she mean, I, I'm not saying she was in. I'm not saying she was every movie out there. But if you're talking about every popular teen movie there was yeah all the coming of age stuff exactly 16 candles you had breakfast mm-hmm. club you get pretty in pink you know had um uh what's that movie what was fresh horses in the 80s or was that in the 90s it wasn't quite a teen movie at that point she was a young adult mm-hmm. i believe ah you got me on that one i, I want to say that, that was in the 90s i believe if we come down to that you got but, me on that one. i mean uh, john hughes had such a good working relationship with all of these kids in this movie they were in multiple right. movies of his that he did and i think anthony michael hall is one of them that he probably pushed the furthest he had so many different movies that he had a, a hand in i think with him in there mm-hmm. uh, but, and anthony michael hall was in one of my favorite movies of all time too but but i mean he and he's still working today i just yes. watched the uh the halloween movie that just came out on whichever one of the services i believe hbo maybe mm-hmm. and uh he's in it as a, a starring role and i was like whoa there's it there's anthony michael hall man, um, look at that. So what was a tv show he did he did a tv show too didn't he some kind of a psychic kind of thing yes i uh, that's actually hanging up on my wall over here it's called the dead zone it was a movie dead that zone. had christopher walken in it yes. where if he touched your shoulder or anything he could like see your past or, or future or something like some kind of clairvoyant i can't remember 100 percent, but yeah i've actually got two seasons of that i think it was only two seasons but yeah it's called the dead zone pretty cool show if anybody yeah. wants to check it out absolutely absolutely yeah. and the, the, the breakfast club was so amazing too because like we identified with it so hard it had oh, and, yeah. and the, the cast you know we just went through you know we had our jock our bad boy our nerd our emo girl and our they were people that you knew girl. in school. Yeah, they were people that you you either were one of them or you knew one of them. You know what I mean? Right. And like, man, it was so crazy and it was so hilarious back then too. You know, even even things that weren't meant to be funny and it were in a, in ways to certain people. You know, depending on which one of those uh, cliche roles you were in high school, some of it could be hilarious to you too. Um, my mom didn't really want me watching it. <laughs> When she heard that uh, Emilio Estevez duct taped the boys' butt cheeks together, and <laughs> she was like, "Oh, he's gonna do that at school." But nah, we never uh, did. Yeah, that was his. Uh, that was his reason for that being, was his reason in, for being, for in, being in, in detention. Uh, they him and uh, I guess some of the other was it football players or wrestlers? Wrestlers, I believe. Uh, they had yeah got the kid in the bathroom and mm-hmm. duct taped his butt cheeks together of all the dumb things to do. All that is what they did. Um, Molly Ringwald's character. Do you remember what she was in there for? No, I don't. I want to say it had something to do with like with classwork or something like that. Yeah, it um, seems like she was. She didn't cheat on the test. She didn't. I, I can't exactly remember hers. Anthony and Michael Hall was for his grades, I believe. Mm-hmm. Judd Nelson was just because he was the bad kid in school. He he had to show out for everything and. Even right. if he's even if he's in there with the assistant principal who's telling him, you know, he's 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 trying to show out in front of him. And he is, you know, showing his tough guy persona to the rest of the kids in there, like, I'm bad, I don't care. 
I got Saturdays. I got Saturdays open for the next few months, and the guy's like, well, "I got you for next Saturday." Then. Well, that's great. How about another one? Sure. Yeah. Another one. Okay, I got you number two. I got I you for three. Two. I got you for the rest of your natural born yeah, life. No. All right. You know. Well, what do you tell him? You mess with the bull. Yeah. You, you get the horns. Get the horns. <laughs> oh, you get the horns. That and the, the iconic fist pump at the end of the movie. Oh yeah, the freeze Crazy. frame. Free yeah, the in the frame. movie, walking off down the football field, Judd Nelson, fifth pump in the air. You know, he's happy, I guess, because he just made his little his little new buddy in Molly Ringwald there. Right. Although, and before we move on, for time's sake, before we move on, let's mm-hmm. note too what a crazy success this was. The, the estimated yes. budget was a million dollars, and its worldwide gross was fifty one million and a half in change. Can you believe like that? In, you know, somewhere around in there, it was over fifty-one and a half million dollars. Yes. So yes, that's, uh, and of course, this and, and this movie written and directed by John Hughes, produced mm-hmm. by Ned Tannen, though. Right. But um, I mean, it's so this had Hughes all over it, directorial and written as well as both. So awesome, awesome movie. And as you said, you know, for time's sake i guess we should move on although i could talk about this movie we can do a, a whole yeah we can do a whole podcast on this so we can move I'm on talking you, about- i'm telling you one of these days guys you know listening out there and everything all the guys and guys listen we are going to deep dive into some movies i know we haven't done okay. it yet and we, we we've brought it up before but there's just you know we got so many topics that we are just dying to cover right you guys you guys just don't know i mean we kick these ideas back and forth each other all the time and uh, that's a camera. big conversation and, that we have. Which one are we going to do next? Which yeah, one so we we'll have like four choices for the next week, and which one right. are we going to do? And we'll debate it for about like thirty minutes sometimes. No doubt. Which one makes more sense to do? Which one do we want to do more? Mm. And it's hard to choose sometimes, but we know we'll get to them eventually. We will. But I would love to take a, a, a like a day and just you know deep dive Breakfast Club or Weird Science or. You know, Big Trouble, Little China, Last Starfighter, Last Dragon. I mean, so yeah, many different movies back then. Do a and whole even, series on whole entire movie deep dives, no doubt. Yes. There's so many yes. good ones. So we were talking well, about Molly Ringwald, and then right over your, uh, I guess it'd be your left shoulder. Uh, we got her in this movie, 16, 16 Candles. Candles. And there is again Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony Michael Hall. I do believe again he was playing a little nerd in that one too, wasn't he? Well, kind of, kind of, sort of, yes. Um, he is of uh, the group of friends he's with. I think he's the cool one of the three. Right. Uh, but they're all three considered, you know, nerds or the, the kids will call them dorks or something. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're underclassmen for one. They're younger. Right. So they're not of the age of being in the cool crowd with the high school kids and their parties and everything. But they're always wanting to be around the cool kids and get that notoriety of being a cool kid themselves. Mm-hmm. especially Anthony Michael Hall's character. Right. Um, so this movie itself, done in 1984, they refer to it as a coming-of-age comedy. Uh, Molly Ringwald's birthday is happening, but at the same time, her sister is getting married. And the family is so caught up in the sister getting married that they have forgotten her 16th birthday. Of all Just family. forgot it. Her sweet, sweet 16. Sweet 16. How do you forget Sweet 16? And just when you think some of them are going to tell her happy birthday, like they figured it out that they forgot her birthday, Mm -hmm. uh, you think they're going to say something? It it goes in an entirely different direction. And it's not what you thought. They still are oblivious that it's this girl's birthday. 
the ride. So, it's, it's just it's just pitiful. You, you feel so bad for her in the movie, but it's funny in the sense of what's going on. She can't believe it, but yet at the same time, she can believe it. You know, this is her family. She knows how they are. Even her little brother has not said anything. He probably knows it and thinks it's just funny. No one has said anything. Right. Uh, the grandparents are coming in. Both, I think, uh, both sets of grandparents come in, don't they, for the wedding? Yes. And one of yes, them. Speaking of the grandparents, there is something weird, and I confirmed it in preparation for this episode. Yes. So when I was a teenager, and I was like, when, okay, so they all got in the car. They're, they're leaving for the wedding. They all get in this car. Mm-hmm. And the car pulls away, but it's like, it's like the car starts pulling off, and the car and everybody else is moving, but grandma don't move. And it's like, well, what does it's one of the things that you catch, like you know how the antenna's back on the car, the cop car and smoking the bandit and stuff. Yeah, one of kind of well, what happened? Confirm this through this episode, and uh it's a confirmed goof. Grandma Baker squats near the passenger door to create an impression <laughs> that she's sitting in the car because they couldn't fit everybody in there. So when they start backing out of the driveway, that's why it looks like she's sitting still and everybody else is moving because that's what's actually happening I, but i remember that the grandpa i'm like why is it like, we've rewound it before like that looks weird man what's going on there like why isn't she going yeah she wasn't even in the car but they fit like <laughs> they fit like 12 people in that car didn't they yeah they put a bunch of folks in that car <laughs> oh me um, Heck yeah they um the grandparents one of the grandparents that came in I will never forget this. It, it cracks me up so much. They they brought the foreign exchange student with them that they had living with them. Yes. And his name is Duck. <laughs> Wasn't it Duck? I think so. I can't I can't Very think tall. of his last name for sure. I don't want to say what I think it is because it's too funny. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it, I want to confirm it first. His first two names was Long Duck, so I'm pretty th- I'm pretty sure the last one is what you think it is. Oh, so maybe his last name was Duck. No. And his first name was Long then. No. Let's see. So his hold last on. name I, was I, Long. I we don't have I to say it all together. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've got to see this. i got to look this up. And yes, I am on air looking on Google right now as we speak. Here. Yeah, do you want to go ahead and tell you? Uh, no, that is, is it, yeah. Um, long Duck Dong. Long, long Duck Dong is a fictional character who appears in 16 Candles. Yeah. Played by long Japanese American actor Getty Watanabe, also in Police Academy 3. Yeah. You remember? It's an Asian foreign exchange student and supporting character. Um, but they always, they, they just call him Duck. Right. So the question still remains. Oh, let me scroll further down this list here and see if his last name is actually Dong or if that was just a part of the funny name part given to him. Oh, that was his character's name. Well, I know, but I mean, was, was it actually his last name in the film or did someone just give him that name because of that? Because of Long Oh, Duck? I see what you're saying. Yeah, I just, it, it makes me wonder. Uh, one, let's see here. I don't I, it's, it's not gonna, it's not really telling. I, I don't think I it's got, gonna tell. I got a quote from him right here that says, No, okay, <laughs> I, I can't repeat no, that. No, you can't. But it says the donger need food. Yeah, <laughs> okay, so maybe it is, maybe it is his last name. Then I think it is. I think it is the whole name, and they just made a funny play on the name or something. Mm-hmm. Shame on them. That wouldn't go on. That, that wouldn't go well today. Yeah, she had church. She married. She she married early, 
Oli Bohunk. <laughs> <laughs> he got him a little girlfriend later on. That was like two times bigger, like two times bigger and stronger yeah, than him. Right, carry, right. It's like she would carry him around like a baby sometimes. <laughs> uh, then he come home with the car, and he's just passed out in the yard. And uh, the, other grand, probably... the other grandparents are like, he's like three sheets to the wind. And right. The one that's so the grandfather and the grandmother that that bring him there. The grandfather's like, duck. Where is the automobile? <laughs> and Duff is like automobile. Automobile. Yeah, he was uh, like, he was like, our, he was like our first fez. <laughs> yes, yes. He was this, like any scene he was in, he stole it for sure. <laughs> Definitely being the first fez. That's great. That's great. But the movie itself, I mean, there's also uh, a story underneath all this: the fact that they forgot her birthday, and her sister is getting married. She has this thing for a guy named Jake Ryan. She's got basically a case of the high school hots for the guy Jake Ryan, who's right. Does Michael Schofling, the popular senior in school, whose family has money, and he's dating the popular blonde girl in school, and mm -hmm. uh, her family has money, and she just wants to be noticed by him and be with him and everything. And he does actually notice her, right? Whether she knows it or not, and. To get close with her, he enlists the help of uh, getting information from Anthony Michael Hall's character. Right. Um, and can I just say, I, I don't think I've ever rooted for Molly Ringwald's character in any movie that she's been in. Really? Yeah, I don't think I've ever rooted for her. I didn't believe her as the woe is me. I'm, you know, she's always, to me, you know, seeing her in a movie, even back then, she was the primpy preppy girl like yeah well it's, I, I guess it's kind of her. i guess unless you were the preppy kid in school it's hard to root for the preppy kid in a movie really uh, right I, exactly. I was i was not a preppy kid by any means uh <laughs> so i i was the oh look he's got another concert t-shirt on today which is this one <laughs> right heck yeah Today it's Motley Crue. Yesterday it was Poison. The day before that it was Kiss, and there was Warrant, and then there was a White Snake shirt somewhere in there. I'm sure. Hey, was that Van Halen you had on? That was you me. Were, yes, you were the metal kid. I, you know, it's funny. I, I, I. That's, those were just the shirts I like to wear because that's the music I love and everything. But I was born to, you know, I was more of a sports fan than I was a music fan in any way. You know, most of the kids who were like the metal kids, we call them, you know that. They wore the blue jean jacket with the patches on them, right? And the metal right, shirts, right. and they had the long hair. And yeah. All of them just happened to play guitar. Metallica patches. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, they thought they were cool because they could play Metallica's one, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like it's like the awesome. easiest Metallica song to play, too. So. Probably so. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I can't play guitar. So, uh, Anywho. Anywho, uh, anywho, uh, we have the catastrophe that happens there toward the end. There's a party at Jake Ryan's place. Um, he's miserable because I guess he's trying to get a hold of Samantha, which is the character that uh, Molly Ringwald plays, and mm -hmm. he can't get a hold of her at the house. The grandparents answer the phone. Right. They tell him it's too late to be calling girls at their house, you know. And yeah. And she, I don't even think she's even there at that point. I think she's somewhere else. Somewhere you know, else. I don't know. But uh, the girl who Jake Ryan is dating is just drunk off her tail. 
and gets her hair stuck in the door. He's trying to break up with her. Her friends cut her hair to get her out of the door, so her hair is all messed up looking funny. She's too drunk to know or care. And Anthony Michael Hall, who wants to get with her now because, you know, she's hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake Ryan sets him up with her and says, can you take her, just, just take her home, take my car. Yeah. You know, and he can't drive a car. He can't drive a stick or something. No. So, anyway, go watch the movie. You know, Hilarity it's, ensues. It's, it's, it's very humorous, all the little things that happen there. We don't want to give too much stuff away for those of you who haven't seen it. Yeah, sure. it is a funny movie. Uh, and uh, and we got to move on because we're only on our second movie and we're halfway through our podcast. It's okay because we're doing a John Hughes podcast. We get to go long today if we want to. That sounds great because my favorite John Hughes, the real reason I want to move on from Molly Ringwald, my favorite one's up next. I started saying, if it's it's not Weird Science, then I don't know you anymore because... That's my favorite John Hughes film. What, what teenage boy didn't want to make their own girl at that point? Once they yeah. Kelly, or have it be Kelly, Kelly the Brock. Brock. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, once they seen Kelly the Brock walk out the door, you know, what teenage boy didn't want to, want to have their own computer and hack into NASA and the military and yeah. take the Barbie doll with some underwear on their head or something? And, yeah, wearing you know, bras on their head. <laughs> make Man. a woman with, with some yeah. type of magical powers of sorts, you know. And here again, we got Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony Michael Hall again, yes. This is the and a name that we did earlier that we mentioned earlier too. Uh, uh, Bill Paxson played his played his older brother Chet. <laughs> yes, yes, Chet. Uh, Chet was a butthole. He was very much one. Yes, it's it's, it's crazy. How, right, um, and then uh, how, Robert Downey Jr. was in it as as one of the boyfriends of the older girls or, or the girls that was. He was Ian. He was. Maybe he was one of the boyfriends. Well, okay, so he was uh, he was one of the boyfriends. Uh, Ian is uh, Wyatt that plays uh, friends with Gary, who is Anthony Michael Hall. That's uh, Ian Mitchell Smith. That's his real name. Yeah, Robert Downey right. Jr. was Ian in the movie. So um, Suzanne Snyder and Judy Aronson, they were the two girls. Yes. And uh, the two boys that they were dating is going to be – let me find uh, – Robert, oh, Robert Ian and, and, and Robert Rustler. Yes, Max. Ian and Max. So you got yeah. Devin Healy, Ian and Max, right? Uh, Wyatt and Gary, Lisa. Because I remember he was like Lisa when he got drunk. He yeah. kept saying Lisa, Lisa, <laughs> and Chet. And uh, well, that one well, dude that was in the original Hills Have Eyes, he was the mutant biker. Yes, um. Uh, where is he at on here? I'm looking at the list of people now. Uh, Michael Berryman. That's yeah. his name, Michael Berry. He was in the Hills Have Eyes. Quite a few, quite a few, exactly. <laughs> yeah. like, you stink. He's like, you stink. Huh? yeah. Uh, and then Vernon, have... Wells, Ver- Vernon Wells uh, was on there as his character from Mad Max. Yes, yeah, with the hair and yeah, the the general. Yes, Lord General's name. Uh, now the girl, I don't know if she was on Mad Max or not. She's in, she just listed as biker girl. Jeff Jensen uh, played Metal Face. We were talking about Barbara Lang. Was the girl or whatever? Uh, no, that was, was Jennifer. Uh, no, Barbara Lang played. Uh, Barbara Lang was Gary's mama, I think. That could have been. 
And then you do, had uh do you have an echo when you're in? No. Do you hear me echoing? Don't hear my voice. Oh, you hear your voice? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's not good. Technical difficulties, everybody. Technical, Technical difficulties. difficulties. Yeah, we didn't have an echo earlier. No, it just been just started. Hmm. How about that? Can you hear you in a, an echo now? Well, let's see. Yes, I can. Oh, well, I don't know what's going on then. We got technical difficulties for show. Here, let's fix that. I can fix that 100%. I'm going to take off my... I was repping Uncle Buck. We're going to get to this one in a minute, but since we're having technical difficulties, let's just say, Uncle. I was repping Uncle Buck. You know what I mean? We'll get there in a little while. Yeah, well, let's fix our like technical difficulties mid-show. That's how professional we are. We can just go right ahead and clip that right in there and then... We'll be good to go. Good to go? Yeah, I think we are. Can you hear yourself now? No. Can you hear me? Yes. Testing. One, two, three. Testing. testing. One, two, three. Testing, testing. All right. Let's get back to Kelly LeBrock. Kelly LeBrock. Kelly um, LeBrock. Sorry about that, people. Yeah. But, you know, our, real world problems. Our mistake. Really, exactly. Real world problems. <laughs> First we didn't have these problems back in the 80s. You know why? Because we didn't have podcasts. That's right. We didn't have computers. Yeah. Not the ones that we were on anyway. Uh, the the whole concept of this movie, Weird Science, is Gary and Wyatt. Uh, they're, they're Speaking of nerds, you know, every yeah. John Hughes film is the coming-of-age teenager type deal where yeah. you're coming through high school, they're in an awkward stage or... Whatever the case may be, Gary and Wyatt are in their awkward stage of high school where they're not cool with anybody hardly. They're mm-hmm. considered just the the dorks of the school. They're, yeah, they're nerds, geeky, nerds. geeky, yeah, geeky dorks, nerds. Um, you know, you got Wyatt who's uh, like a smart kid into computers and everything. And I'm not sure if Gary's very bright or not, and I never picked up on that very well. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> he, I mean, he wasn't on a level with Wyatt, no way. No, it was not. No, and, and then the way it started out was the the two Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Wrestler were always doing something to them, picking on them in a way. Right. So they're out there talking to each other. They're looking at the girls what volleyball team. Yes, I think they're like. I believe and so. And Gary's like, "Why? You know, we get the, the girls straight ahead, dead ahead, twelve o'clock, blah blah blah. You know, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna say to them? We gotta say something. We gotta look cool. We gotta do something. What are we gonna say? I don't know. What do you want to say?" And the two guys are behind them just laughing. They're, they're kind of holding their laughter in best they can. And they yell, uh, hey, girls, take a look at us. And they yank their shorts down. Right. Take off running. So it's just them two standing there, I guess, in their underwear mm-hmm. in, in front of all the women, the, the girls' volleyball team. Yeah. Um, so the poor guys don't know what to do. They're going to do something to be cool, right? So right. Uh, Gary says to them as they're looking, they're watching, I guess, a, um, what, uh, Frankenstein? Frankenstein. And they're like, why the bride of Frankenstein, that? as a matter bride of fact. Bride of Frankenstein. Like, why can't we do that? Why can't we just make our own woman, you know? And yeah, I, I don't know. And what... then they start home blah, 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 with the bras on their head that look kind of like these right here. With the bras <laughs> <on their head. laughs> what possessed them to really try that with a computer and everything? I mean, I think it was why computers him, can do anything. Right, man. But I think it was why telling Gary that he could make something on the computer to where she, you know, where it could be. They could make the perfect woman. They can make the perfect woman on the computer, but it wouldn't be three dimensional. 
it just be two dimensional on the screen, and they're talking yeah. to her, and maybe she can talk to them. Right, they could practice on how to. They could practice on how to talk to women. Exactly, that's kind of like what it was. But then, but then they the hooked idea. up the Barbie doll, and they scanned the pictures of Kelly LeBrock, and they put some stuff in, and they this magical nerd brew. And next thing you know, lightning voila. strikes. I guess Marty was going back in time or something because they hit. They got the one point twenty one gigawatts freight into the house. <laughs> They must and, uh, have done something because next thing you know, Kelly LeBrock steps is, out of the bathroom, just whoosh, hair flowing. What, what would you little animals shirt. like to do first? Yeah, with her belly shirt glistening, and oh yeah, wow. And, and it's yeah. funny because what they've would been you talking. Maniacs like to do first. Oh, maniacs, that's what it was on animals. Maniacs. Yeah, and it's it's funny because they were talking to each other when they were talking. I guess about the girls from the 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 volleyball team, whatever. And Anthony Michael Hall's character, Gary's talking about showering with girls. How, you know, you want to shower with girls. So the first thing when she says, what do you maniacs want to do first? Right. And they're standing there in their shoes, and their tennis shoes, <laughs> yeah. and their gym shorts. They got their, no, no, they got their pants on still. It's like pants oh, they're, and they're, shoes. They're and pants. Their, their shirts are off, but they got on their pants and their <laughs> shoes and everything while they're in the shower. And they're just, it's like, they're just staring is all they're doing. Like, right. You know, yeah, they can't do movie. nothing else. Everything about that movie is crazy and funny, man. Uh, they they go to the bar and get drunk, and then Gary's like, by the time Gary funny. leaves the bar, he's wearing like a hat, kind of like what I had. I would, but not really. He's like a flat bill with a feather in it. Yeah, they're driving it through there. It's, it's like, like he's a it's like he's a pimp or something. You know? Yeah, they come flying but, out through there, and they're like, "You okay?" He's like, "Well, my." Well, I can't repeat what he said. We're family family <laughs> show, but I know what something. you're gonna say. That's what he was doing, doing Lisa. No. You don't know Lisa. <laughs> I mean, he was like, like, he remember they took him in. That's when he was like messing with Chet's mouth. He was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be so it's hilarious, like, man. Are you okay back there? He tells him. He goes, but other than that, I'm perfect. Yeah, you other know? than I'm perfect. Yeah, the voice he was using, man, so funny. What was that? He what fell was over. Chet? Like he was over the balcony, looking off into the hallway, like, hey. <laughs> What is it Chet says to him? He's trying to make him throw up or something. He blows smoke in his face for one. Yeah. And then he, he tells like, him. burped and blew it at him. It was like, oh. Yeah, but he tells him something like, how would he like to have a nice. Oh, it's a sandwich. It's a, a nice burger, grease ball. I oh, don't know. A, a nice, greasy, salty pork sandwich served in an ashtray, I think. That's it. it was. Something like that. It was terrible. Something that was just gross to hear, you know. It was like, oh. Yeah, he looked like he's a like, donkey couldn't get laid in a morgue. <laughs> it's all kind of stuff, man. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's but great. the whole point of her though is she she basically brings them out of their awkward stage and makes them cool to everybody. You know, they end up hosting a party at Wyatt's house and without giving any, a, a bunch of stuff away, a bunch of stuff happens. And in order to make them look like the good guys and the heroes, uh Lisa works it out to where they have a home invasion happen. Oh my and god, squirt gun man! Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's pointing the, the gun home. around, and everybody like this, yes. like yeah, it's okay, you know. I'll squirt gun, you know? squirt gun man. Poof, blows the chandelier out. Yeah, and and it's like the scene from Road Warrior coming in or something. I mean, it's crazy. Mad Max. I mean, the yeah. scene from, like a scene from Mad Max bursting into their bunch house. Bunch of mutant backers. Trying to threaten the the girls, the two girls they want, which right. is uh, Deb and Hilly, mm-hmm. and they end up getting them. And I guess in the end, it's, it, well, at best we know they end up getting them in the end, 
It looks right. like they're together. They're all together at that point. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. Uh, although they're past their awkward stage, why it still looks pitiful. He does. I, I think one of the funniest parts of the movie to me, if y'all if y'all haven't seen Weird Science, man, y'all need to get your life right. But <laughs> one of the funniest parts to me is like the outfit that she would remember I was saying about the belly shirt. She had on these like hot pink panties and stuff. Yeah. It's wow. Well, the next morning. Wyatt comes walking out of his bedroom into the bathroom. And he's wearing that outfit. He's like, morning, Chet. Just I like your panties. But the way it was like, he immediately turned around. I was like, it's a joke, Chet. It's a joke. Like, that, it was so awkward and hilarious, that moment. Mm-hmm. Yes. That movie is just funny front to back. Like, from beginning to end, that movie is hilarious. To me, I think it might be, it might be, to me, it's the funniest one that, that John Hughes has done. I mean, we've got a lot of candidates, but for me, yeah, like, um, weird science is just hey, that's tops them all. It is hilarious, I mean, there's a, and there's a lot of candidates to funny movies. And uh, speaking yeah. of a John Hughes movie that is funny, I mean, moving on to the next one here. Yeah, uh, yeah. he is directed. Oh, am did I, I tr- did I jump on you? Uh, you jumped. Oh, let me move working the board tonight. We're having some technical difficulties. But you know what, though? At least you're not starting with the wrong intro like somebody else did. Well, you know. You know is this a, let me ask you this. Is this one that you've watched recently? Uh, no, this is – well, I did recently. It's, this is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Okay, that was the one right – but, yeah, I just had yeah. – I guess I might have – maybe I moved them out of order there for a second. I, I think you did because when you read the order off to me earlier, the one you just showed is another – three movies down the line here you know what people we're recording this off of a, a strange night for us too because this is not a normal night for recording i oh. just got back from a camping trip chris just got back from work we usually do this on both of our days off yes yeah, well we're more so, fresh and ready to yeah. go right exactly and we got all kinds of excuses we can throw at you but we're not going to do it no more no we will take the responsibility of screwing up because we're only human because it was Travis, not me. Yeah. And uh, so to the next one, another funny movie. Okay. Directed, written, and produced by John Hughes. There you go again. <laughs> oh, well, I it... thought we was done with this when you said moving on to the next one. So, well, this is the one we're moving on to. <laughs> I see you look. That's going to be a good right, moment. Look, look, look. Just between me and you guys. Okay, bring all right? it in. Bring it in. I'm not talking to I'm talking to I'm, I'm gonna... not. No, look, look, just between us, it's hard to get good help these days, okay? It is so hard to get good help. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to settle for one of your buddies out there yeah. who it's it's got nothing else better to do than get on here with you and ramble yeah. on about 80 stuff. That's it. So that being said, okay. And sometimes it's the blind leading the blind, you know. It is. It is. <laughs> um, planes, trains, and automobiles. Uh, I'm not going to yeah. lie. I did not watch this movie for the longest time, and I'm guilty of this because I was never a huge John Candy or Steve Martin fan, and it's got both of them in it. Now, let me say before I go any further with it, though, when I say I wasn't a huge fan of theirs, I did like some of their stuff. I mean, I loved Steve Martin in the Three Amigos. I liked him in Sergeant Bilko. You know, I mean, he had some great movies that I watched at Ro- Ro- Roxanne. I think it was called. Where he Roxanne the was large, amazing. Where he the had large nose. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. He's like finally a woman that can, a man that can please two women at once. <laughs> That was pretty funny, yeah. The show, the but those aren't as great. Best, well, those aren't in our genre. Yeah, they are. The jerk was in the 70s, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all yeah, the jerk was his, great. 
his work was in seventies and eighties. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then his 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 Saturday Night Live stuff was yeah. was priceless. awesome. And I think both of them. Well, no, John Candy. I don't know if he ever hit Saturday Night Live or not. He was in S SCTV or something like that. I think it was called something like with that. with Rick Moranis and a few other people. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, but, it wasn't SNL. But I mean, John Candy. I wasn't a huge fan of, but I liked him in Summer Rental and Great Outdoors. Mm-hmm. Great Outdoors was amazing. I mean, he had some good movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I just for whatever reason. John him, Candy was he in Cannonball Run? Yeah, him and Dom DeLuise and I don't remember John Candy being in there. A couple what, of fat what, people in there. A couple of fat I, guys. I swear I don't remember John Candy in Cannonball Run. I'm pretty I, sure. I'm not saying he, I'm not saying he wasn't in there, but I don't remember him being in it that yeah. part. Yeah, Dom DeLuise for sure. I'm on cross reference, but well, you do that for a second. Sure. I'm gonna go ahead and talk about this for a second. While you're Canadian bacon, I know that. Canadian bacon. Canadian is bacon. That, is, that, is, is that like the seven degrees of Canadian bacon? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, he was in Cannonball Run uh, Cannonball Run 3. Maybe that's why you don't remember it. He okay. was in Speed Zone. I started to say, yes, there was a Cannonball Run 3. If there was, it would have been Speed Zone. I, yeah. I remember asking you if you'd seen Speed Zone. You said you hadn't seen that. Oh. Unless you've seen it recently or something. Maybe I, thought, maybe I was thinking of it as Cannonball Run 3. Could be because it's it goes by both names, I guess. Okay, all right. Well, the speed zone, I, I did like it was funny to me. I do remember okay. being in that. So, um, but planes, trains, and automobiles, I didn't watch it until earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I short story, which got me to watching uh, another podcast I was listening to before we started this one. They would do a uh, fan spotlight of the week. And when they did Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, they asked me if I'd be the spotlight, fan spotlight of the week, which was very cool. Great show. Awesome. Uh, just to go ahead and put it out there, I don't mind doing this. They're great guys. Uh, Max and Mo at Buzz in the Tower. Yeah. If you yep. want to listen to another show as well as ours to get a different perspective from things, mm-hmm. uh, Buzz in the Tower, B U Z Z N, the Tower mm-hmm. is a great one to listen to. They do and a lot they of do uh, exclusively different... 80s uh, movies. Ex- yeah, exclusively 80s movies, and they do very unique takes on some things that they mm-hmm. do like they recast films and stuff like that anyway they're a blast to listen to yeah uh so if you want to give them a shot look them out there and uh tell chris and travis sent you out that way there you go but um playing trains automobiles and watched it and uh i i'm like why did i never watch this before it is mm-hmm. so funny it's hilarious i mean I, it the funniest thing in the whole movie is when well, I, before I before I say it, I guess uh, uh, Steve Martin plays the role of Neil Page. He's trying to get back home for Thanksgiving. He's a very high-strung marketing executive, and um, he's he's just wanting to get home to the family, to the wife and the kids. John Candy plays Dale Griffith, who mm-hmm. is this over-the-top, loud salesman-type guy. Seems kind of good-hearted, but he's annoying. Um, and he does things that are kind of gross to you and everything it seems like for a little bit right uh, he's always talking about the wife and stuff but he doesn't really go too deep into his family talk and you find out why later on uh in the movie when it explains more about that and everything which i won't really go into that part because i don't want to spoil anything for anybody in case you haven't seen it but the funniest thing in the whole movie is on their hilarious tour of trying to get back to get steve martin's neil character neil page back home 
they stay overnight at this one hotel together because they can't get a room anywhere else. They're all booked up. Uh, the flights have all been snowed in. They can't go nowhere. So they have to share a room, and it's only got one bed in it. Uh, Steve Martin's not crazy about it, but you know, he's like, we got to do this because we got to sleep. Well, as he's trying to sleep, uh, Del Griffith, uh, John Candy, is, is doing things that are annoying him. He's being loud, making noises. Long story short, they wake up the next day, and you see them like they're snuggling each other. You know, John Candy's got his arm around him, and um, Steve Martin's kind of waking up, and I guess he grabs his hand or realized he was the little spoon. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and Del Griffith reaches out and he kisses him on the neck, and all of a sudden Martin's eyes come open. He says, He says, Del, he goes, Yeah, he goes, Why'd you kiss me on the neck? He goes, (laughs) Why you holding my hand? He goes, Where's your other hand? He says, between two pillows. He's like, those aren't pillows. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jumps up and he's like, oh, oh my gosh. Oh, it's so nasty. And anyway, they got such a great chemistry together on film, on camera. And Absolutely. They're, and they're hilarious together. One thing happens to another, to another, to another. They get, uh, you know, their, their money stolen and they got to stay at these places that you wouldn't stay before. And it all starts when, um, Inadvertently, John Candy's character takes the cab that Steve Martin was trying to help. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, he was when he looked up; he was already in it and taken off with him. Uh, finally, make it home. You know, at the end of it. But it, it, if you haven't watched it, I don't want to say anything to ruin the end of it because it's, it's really a good ending to such a funny movie. Uh, it, it's, it's got a like a feel good ending to it, right? And. I just realized I saw his picture and I looked him up and it didn't show me anything. So I had to look up the actual movie that I was positive he was on. So it's been years on top of years since I saw this movie. I saw it when I was young and it didn't interest me. Um, Just like a lot of movies that were big in the eighties. I watched and fell in love with when I got a little bit older because I was born in 1980. So I wasn't, you know, some of a lot of it was over my head. The humor was, wasn't there for me. Like the jerk. Yeah out before I was even born. It wasn't funny until I was in my twenties, you know, but anyway, um, Charles Tyner played a character in this movie called Gus. As soon as I saw his face, I was like, wait a minute. That's the, the adoptive dad. That's looking for Pete from the original Pete's dragon. And I got to looking around. I couldn't find it. And, but I found it finally. Yes. Merle, uh, Merle from Pete's dragon is Gus, Mr. Charles Tyner from this movie. I just had to put that out there because Peach Dragon is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite Disney movies of all time. And who is Gus in the movie? What does Gus do? I don't know. I just saw his picture. <laughs> so I was like, hey, that's, by golly, that's him. But I don't I wish, know who Gus is I, in the movie. I wish I could remember. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It's... Uh, I got a quote here that says, Dale Griffith, how the hell are you? Well, I'm still a million bucks shy of being a millionaire. And then Dale says, uh, both of them laugh. and said, Gus, I'd like you to meet an old friend of mine. This is Neil Page from Chicago. Neil, this is Gus uh, Mooney. He's, he's the guy behind, I believe he's the guy behind the counter at the hotel they stay in that night before okay. they, they wake up the next morning. I, I think that's who he is. Okay. Heck yeah. yeah. Sounds right. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the movie itself, uh, I wouldn't say it was one of John Hughes's best money makers, 
but on a $15 million budget, it did bring in $49.5 million. And that's not really anything to laugh at. No. That's a very that's a very respectable, you know, take of money there. 92 minutes long for the movie, November 25th, 1987 release date. So right. definitely a Thanksgiving type movie, considering when it yeah. was released. I think one of his absolute biggest movies did really good at the box office. Just a shot. Five million eight hundred dollar budget, which is probably all five million eight hundred thousand dollar budget was probably all on that one car. It grossed seventy million, oh nearly eighty. It grossed seventy million seven hundred twenty thousand dollars worldwide. Bueller, Bueller, Ferris, <laughs> save Ferris. Ferris. That's all I can think Bueller, of right now. Is save Ferris. Save Ferris. Do you know? Right, so, do you know who has the cameo in the movie? Who went on to be uh, in a few films of her own? But when fans see her, this is one of the biggest things they remember from her in the movies because they want to quote her on it every time. It's Christy Swanson, and Christy she's the Swanson. she's the girl in class. Mm-hmm. Who tells what ha- when the when Ben Stein's like Bueller, right? Bueller, you know. Then she speaks up finally. Says, "I think he's sick. Mm-hmm. I heard it from you know. I don't know my cousins, sisters, boyfriends, ex uncles, <laughs> Vietnam War veterans, dogs handler John that <laughs> Harris was seen at Thirty Two Flavors in the next town over last week and." I don't know. He's coughing up a lung. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I forget how it goes now, but I mean, right. her, her name was Yes, Simone. Thank you, Simone. That'll be all. Heck yeah. Ben Stein, man. Buffy Please. herself. Buffy herself. Chrissy awesome. Swanson. The original Buffy. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Not the TV show. Not not Sarah Michelle Geller. Right. The movie. Right. Ferris Bueller. Right. Do you know, I believe Alan Ruck was probably the oldest of the three in this in, in this movie. Oh, yeah, I would say definitely. But Alan Ruck, Mia Sarah, and Matthew Broderick were the three. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if Mia Sarah wanted to do a whole lot more after that. She was in Time Cop, I think, with yeah. uh, King of the Splits. That's right, King of the Splits. Um, I think she was in that and maybe one or two. I don't know, but uh, this was yeah, probably she did a one few that she's been things. She probably did... most well known for this, though. Well, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I would say eh, the Call of the Wild TV movie may got her, like you said, Tom Cop, and yeah, that's probably it. She was yeah. she did some voiceover stuff for Birds of Play, but Prey, but that was. In the early 2000s, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. 2000s. Please. Who cares about the 2000s? Who cares if Lord of the Rings, you know, was big in the 2000s and the and then the Hobbit movies was big? But in it the was 2000s. based off of the books, so it counts. I, I know. And we had movies in the 80s when we had cartoon and, movies in the 80s because the books were well before the 80s. And I, I would like to say one day I'm going to stretch that rule out and I'm going to do over Lord of the Rings because the book was out. But I don't know if I can get away, if we can get away with that or not, really. I don't see why not. I mean, we, we should. I mean, we're Chris and Travis for crying out loud. 
Yeah. We should be able to get away with something like that. Yeah. $70, 70 million dollars on man on a five million budget. Uh, became the the 10th highest grossing film of 1986. Yeah, that's because this was before Charlie Sheen had Tiger Blood. Charlie Sheen was the boy in the police station. Yes. A little cameo in there. A little cameo in there whenever um, Ferris's sister was was there, I guess, for... uh, (laughs) What was it? She was um, driving crazy trying to catch him to get back home to catch him in in, in the live... Yeah, uh, she tried. To, she was trying to catch him the whole movie. Yes, and and until the very end, when the principal's there, they think they got him, and then she turns on him. Yeah, because the principal had broken in the house before that and scared her, and she had kicked him in the face. Mm-hmm. That was hilarious. I mean, I laughed at this movie till I cried so many times. And Great I movie. would tell you, and so much pop culture references too. There's, no, I don't know if there's another. There may be more. There may be John Hughes films that I personally like more, uh-huh. and, but I would say this one and the I don't even think the Breakfast Club comes close to this one as far as quotable and referenced movies from the eighties. Like Bueller is like, in my mind, as far as I can recall, one of the most referenced pieces of cin- cinematics ever. Yeah, I mean, people talk about it all the time. They make quotes from it all the time. Uh, the uh, Oh, what is it about um, if uh, if you don't look around, you might might miss something? I forget how that. Oh yeah, like, yeah, it's kind of like a stop and smell the roses type quote. Kind of, you know, kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. He comes out at the end of it and it's like, are you still there? Yeah. Go away. It's like, over. Yeah. Why? Why the rest of us were just thinking about it? Ferris borrowed a Ferrari and did it all in a day. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Uh the uh, like I said, I, I watched this movie so many times and it seemed like each time I watched it, one of the first uh, the first few times I watched it, I picked up something new that made me laugh real hard. Mm-hmm. And I don't it's there's a lot of movies like that where you can watch them several times and not pick up on something until you've watched it four or five times. Right. It's got those little quips and things in it. Right, and this is definitely one of them. Uh definitely. the the principal dying to catch ferris bueller yeah trying so hard he's trying so hard to do it and just misses him so many different times um and comes so close and in this movie you know he he breaks the fourth wall several times just to explain his techniques and his inner thoughts like at the beginning of it he he did the breaking the fourth wall deal where he's talking about how you can make your parents think you're sick where you can skip school talking about sweaty palms where you I know it's disgusting, but you <laughs> you lick your palms, okay? Mm-hmm. And so now your 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 palms are clammy feeling, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, you know you gotta have a temperature. So it's like he's got the uh, the thermostat the, the thermometer up by the light bulb or something, right? Yeah. You know, wasn't and, uh, the wasn't the principal? Wasn't he the uh, dude that got possessed? Wasn't he the wasn't he the Howard the Duck villain? I I think he may have been. I think I'm pretty sure he was in Howard the Duck. Jeffrey Jones, Mr. Rooney, Principal Rooney. Principal Rooney. If that's the same one, then yeah. He had the big weird looking tongue at the end of it. And 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 what 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 cracked me up in the movie at one point so bad was you got well, who T thinks is Ferris Bueller online too, uh trying to get Simone out of school. Or not right. not, not, not Simone, Sloan. 
his mm-hmm. girlfriend Sloan Peterson. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's like, that's not Mr. Peterson. That's Ferris Bueller. He's trying to get her out of school. So he's talking to him and he's telling him, I mean, yeah, I heard about the grandmother dying. You know, I tell you what, you just roll her on up here and let me take a good look. Right. At <laughs> and then uh, we'll get her out of there. It says uh, something about, I don't know if he said pucker up buttercup or he said something. Right. In, in any way, he says, hang on one second. He hits the hold button and next phone call is says, Rooney and it's Bueller going, Principal Rooney, Ferris Bueller here. Uh, right. You know, I'm out sick today, and I'd like to, you know, if you could send my homework home with my with, you, with my sister so I can not miss anything in school today. I'm doing so well in class and all of a sudden, he's just like, oh. Right. But that <laughs> turned out to be Cameron anyway, though, didn't it? Yes, it was Cameron. That's what was so funny because and that's one of the scenes that got me so bad that I was just in tears laughing. Uh, it was, and then he was really getting into it, you know. And he said that he'd be like, turning like this right here he's really into character now right he's in it. then he messes up he tells him meet me out front with my daughter <laughs> he's like <laughs> slaps the phone out of his hand like don't Heck yeah. out front. what's wrong with you great movie though i mean it's a very funny movie they do everything that day they go to the sears tower they go to wrigley field to catch a baseball game the art institute of chicago looking at paintings on the walls and everything yeah um Put it, I don't know how many miles on that car. Uh, yeah, they, uh, it they did it, it up. It, no, actually, it wasn't them. It was the people who parked the car, took it for a long spin. Right. And came back at the end of the day. They were, they should only put just a few miles on the car mm-hmm. for what they were doing. True, true. And uh, what was his name? Uh, Abe Froman, the Sausage King of Chicago. Yes, the Sausage King of Chicago. Yeah, they did a lot that day. Yes. So, what's up next? I believe. I tell you what, you bring up the next one and we will go from there. Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck. Here we are back with John Candy again. Back with John. And this is another one of them movies, Travis. I didn't watch when it first came out. Right. Uncle Buck but, was um, good. Uh, yeah, I mean, John Candy, Macaulay yeah, they, Culkin. Amy they call him in to watch the kids and he's uh he's something else. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And like you mentioned earlier, 1990 spin-off TV series. Yeah, Uncle I didn't Buck. realize it had a spin-off. That was that kind of tripped me out a little bit there. I had no yeah. idea. It also was it was another one that did pretty good. Um I think it, the budget on it was estimated at about 15 million and it grossed just under 80 80 million at uh 79,250,000 Now, too awful bad. Compared compared to the one we just did, you said what was the estimated budget on Uncle Buck? Uncle Buck was 15 million, so that was about 10 million okay. more than Bueller. What was Bueller? Yeah. 7 5 or 7? No, Bueller was a 5 million budget. 5 million, yeah. But it it, it grossed 70.7 million at the box office. Yeah, it grossed a little more than this one. So that was even bigger. That's why I said it was well, I believe no, that Uncle may have Buck, been its biggest one. Uncle Buck grossed more. Did it? Yes. Uh, it was 70.7 million. Oh, 70.7. This was yeah, 79.2 and a half. Right, 79.2 here for Uncle Buck. And I'm not even sure if that's the biggest moneymaker that, you know, that John Hughes had. Maybe, yeah. 
because um, we know. were we were talking about uh what was it did, did we say what it well, was Uncle Buck's of? coming off the heels of the success of uh home alone too not not the number two but i believe wasn't it or was this before this was before home alone i believe i mean after home alone uncle buck let's uh it no no i'm not correct thinking... on that I'm incorrect. Uncle Buck released in 1989 and uh, uh, Home Alone released in 1991. So, no, this was Macaulay Culkin before Home Alone. Yeah, I thought it was because Macaulay Culkin was pretty big after Home Alone. Yeah. And he did stuff like, I think it was My Girl or... Yep, he did My Girl. Yep, yep, with uh, Anna Komalski. Yeah, this other stuff after that. Um, Mr. Mom that he did made... A, a pretty good amount of money itself. Now, we were talking about his his money makers, right? Mister. Mm -hmm. Okay, no, I'm wrong. Sixty. I thought it was eighty four. Sixty four point eight. Not eighty four point six. Uh, Sixty four point eight million is what Mister. Mom made. Anyway, beside the point. Anyway, Uncle Buck called in to babysit the kids. Yeah, and then something happened. I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen this one, too. Uh, but he ended up, like, fully in charge of the whole family, like the mom and dad. I forgot what it was, some crisis. But he ended up with all of them, the teenage niece the, and then the other two kids. And then he started showing them how to cook and how to do laundry, and the teenage daughter started rebelling against him and, that was what we were just doing beforehand. She was on the front steps when he went to pick her up from school and um, making out with her little boyfriend. And when she got in the car, Uncle Buck looked at the boy. He said, you ever, what was it? He said, do you like her? Have you ever heard of ritual? Yeah, that's it. Have you ever heard of ritual killings? And he's like, what? No. He's like, if you go licking on her face like that in public again, you'll be one. It's not that it's not a funny movie. I mean, John, John Candy is hilarious. He is yeah. definitely a funny guy. So I mean, I mean, anything he's gonna be in is gonna be funny. I mean, he's been in he he was funny as a supporting character in Brewster's Millions. Mm -hmm. He was hilarious in Summer Rental. Mm -hmm. I thought he was funny in Summer Rental. I mean, funny in the great outdoors. He just he was uh, what he in Splash also. Was he in Splash, Daryl Hannah? I can't, uh, I can't think. I'm trying to think if he's in Splash for sure or not. Rick, I think Rick Moranis had a part in it. Eugene Levy had a part in it. I don't remember that. I don't remember him being in Splash. He may have been, but I don't remember that. Well, I can tell you if he has been. Because I am looking right. Yep, Splash. Okay, Summer Reynolds, yeah. Spaceballs. Yeah, cool I remember running. him in Spaceballs now because he was the Chewbacca spoof. Yeah, he did Cool Runnings. Yes, he was the uh, the the reformed drunk uh, coach for the Jamaican bobsled team. Right. SCTV is the show he was on before. I couldn't think of the name of it. it was, okay. It was, it was SCTV. It wow. was kind of like you know SNL in a sense. When they, uh, so they, that's what that's the one thing he did. But anyway. Uh, uh, what was I trying to find out what it was Uncle Buck was doing? Why he came to babysit the kids? We know uh, he was babysitting the kids. You get the rebellious teen daughter. You get the other two like, kids. It seems like they were going on vacation or something, and then 
he something happened and I, I just cannot remember to save my life and i didn't put the synopsis in front of me to be able to i cannot to believe tell you. That you didn't do the same thing that i didn't do i cannot believe that uh, it's crazy crazy Crazy. So basically, uh, this is late one night, they receive a phone call from Cindy's aunt in Indianapolis informing them that her father has had a heart attack. Okay, so, San so Cindy, Bob and Cindy are the parents. Right. So uh, Cindy's father had a heart attack. They had to go. They make plans to live immediately to be with him. And after hearing the news, Tia, bitter about being forced to move, which I guess is the eldest daughter probably. Um, it is. 15-year-old Tia. Yeah. Um, so... Accuses Cindy of abandoning her father. Bob suggests asking Buck to come and watch the children, to which Cindy objects but considers Buck's bad influence and a failure. Mm-hmm. So it says Cindy suggests asking their neighbors, the Nebels, for help instead, but Bob finds they are vacationing in Florida, leaving Buck as their only option. So that's why he is yeah. there babysitting the kids. Uh, now, is he the best uh, example for the kids? Probably not. No, he uh, gave birth. I feel like his this uh, movie gave birth to the Captain Captain Rons and uh, other characters like that later yeah. on. They were it, all it, based on Uncle Buck. It, it describes him here. It says Bob is a brother named Buck. In contrast to the Russell's upper middle class lifestyle, Buck lives in a small apartment in Wrigleyville, drinks, smokes cigars, earns a living by betting on rigged horse races, and drives a dilapidated 1977 Mercury that backfires. Yeah. He also finds himself at odds with his girlfriends of eight years. She wants to get married to her family, but he's reluctant, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, uh, definitely different than his brother and everything. Not a good example for the kids, but it's the only option they have to watch the kids while she goes to be with her father, so they right. have to do so. And Hilarious as usual, movie. and we're talking about things that he has done, directed and everything. He directed wrote and produced this one as well but he co-produced this one with tom jacobson mm-hmm. so all right so moving on to our two-hour broadcast tonight we're gonna go from <laughs> uncle buck to one of what i think is one of his other funniest movies is dutch 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 al bundy yeah that's al bundy is old dutch dooley He'll forever be known to me as Al Bundy and only Al Bundy. I don't care what else the man's been in in his life. He's always Al Bundy. No doubt. And he pretty much acts like Al on this one. That's pretty funny. If you could imagine Al going to pick up his 12-year-old snobby nephew, which I mean, I don't think it was a nephew in the movie, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Excuse me. Good Lord. Now, was it his nephew or his, or like a stepchild or his girlfriend's son or something like that? It's something like that. But I just threw the nephew out there just in, just for the, you know, he's, um, Ethan it's, his, it's, his, it's his current girlfriend's son, I guess you'd yeah. say. He's, he's the boyfriend of a wealthy snobby chick and, um, now is, uh, volunteered Beth, to, to yeah. drive her son home from Chicago. Is Joe Beth Williams the actor, the, the person that he's with? Joe Beth Williams. Uh, Sit here. The film yes, yes, yes. Them. That's that. Yep, yep. That's yeah. her. And Ethan Embry, Joe Beth Williams. Because Doyle is the little boy. It's Dutch yeah. and Doyle. I remember yeah. that. Cameo appearance by a great golfer, Arnold Palmer. Yes. Funny, Man. funny, funny movie. There's just them. It's just him being a sport brat and a smart mouth and them kind of running across country to get back to you know, in time for Thanksgiving and actually somewhere along the line, they bond and 
it's uh it's it's a funny it's a funny movie so here we are with another thanksgiving movie from john hughes in it yeah another thanksgiving movie get back in time for the holiday dutch mm-hmm. julie attends a ritzy party with his girlfriend natalie standish yeah stands out terribly among the upper class aristocrats wearing a cheap suit and making boorish comments yeah uh dutch also meets natalie snobbish wealthy ex-husband reed who tells natalie that he'll have to break his thanksgiving plans with her son doyle mm. for an unexpected business trip which right. is the reason why he is to volunteer i guess to take care of that um <laughs> upon arriving in georgia dutch finds doyle to be much like his father snobbish selfish and elitist he welcomes dutch by throwing a book in his face hitting him with a golf club kicking him and shooting him in the groin with a bb gun yeah that sounds about right Lovely kid. Lovely kid. Lovely little brat. I mean, at one point, Dutch like throws him in the trunk and drives like 100 miles with him in the trunk. Yeah. Now, I will say this. Now, you said this is one of your favorite movies uh, that John... I think it's one of the funniest, yeah. One of the funniest. Would you believe one of his funniest movies had a $17 million budget and only made $4.6 million? Oof. Ouch. I would believe that because I, I, would, I uh, out of all of his movies, I don't know a whole ton of people that like. Like when I saw this movie, it was on a, it was on TV, so I mean it wasn't yeah. like I knew people running out to see it. I would definitely refer to that as a um, a bomb, box, box office, office bomb failure. Yes, that is definitely a failure. As a, and I, 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 this is actually one that I have not watched. I didn't want to watch, although I like Ed O'Neill's Al Bundy. Like I said, mm-hmm. to me, it's Al Bundy. Now, right. if this had been a movie called Bundy instead oh, what of if Dutch, it was that one? You know, what if it was that one? That one, well, that one was a great movie. If it had been that one, maybe. So since it did say about it at the box office, bye, Dutch. That's right. <laughs> We're talking about you because you wasn't good to anybody. Yeah. Uh, so you know what, Travis? Just to, to be fair, Travis picked Dutch out of all of them because he thought it was one of the funniest. I didn't want it Dutch is one to of the funniest. It is one of I, the. But what would you replace it with, Matilda? I, I no. <laughs> if I would have replaced Dutch with anything, it would have been Mr. Mom, probably. Mm, oh, I don't know. Probably for me, if I had to replace Dutch. Uh, for, with what's that already on the list, I gotta go with Beethoven. Oh no. <laughs> no. Yeah, 100%. So, the Great Outdoors. The Great, great outdoors. outdoors. Another John Candy. Yes. He liked and him. Dan look, he liked he liked him some Anthony Michael Hall and he liked him some John Candy. Absolutely. John now, this Candy movie was just written funny, by funny and produced dude. by John Hughes. Actually John Hughes co-produced it with Arnie Schmidt, but directed by Howard Deutsch. And at least it doubled its money, you know, estimated 24,000. Not quite doubled it. 24 million. 24 million. I don't know why I said yes. 24,000. 24 uh, million. And it grossed 43,455,000. I mean, that's definitely more, you know, I mean, respectable than what Dutch did. Yeah. Matter of fact, I, I think we should just, just, it's, just eliminate it's Dutch from the bomb. library. No. Just because it's a box office bomb doesn't mean that it didn't turn into uh, a cult classic and it ain't a great movie. We should eliminate Dutch from the library and burn its existence from our memories. No, I disagree. If 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 Thanos was to come out of nowhere and Dutch snap, good. Dutch would be one of them that dusted off. 
You don't know that because that that is a completely unbiased snap. It's just half of them. It's like, you know what I mean? Dust lottery, baby. Yes, but karma is real, and karma would take care of Dutch. <laughs> oh, man. I can't believe you're um, talking on Dutch. You had like his rhinestone or something. I know. I know. We, 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 at, like, at, at like his rhinestone or something. I uh, can't believe Al Bundy did that stupid movie. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Dutch is the rhinestone of John Hughes film. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. See, I'm glad That's you brought great. that up. I'm glad you yeah. brought that up. See. Because there's always a rhinestone out there that we don't know about what we know. That's the rhinestone of this list because we're missing like 20, 30 John Hughes movies. Well, you can't get them all. I mean, it's going to be a two-hour podcast at this point. You can't get everything. I know. And then you got to contend with stuff like Matilda, Beethoven, Dennis the Menace. She's pregnant or whatever that movie was. She's having a baby. baby. Same thing, though. but the great to get to, to get to the great outdoors, you know, we yeah, 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 yeah. Aykroyd, John Candy, uh, yeah. very good pairing of people in there. Uh, you had Dan Aykroyd plays the annoying what brother in law, I believe. Yeah, to him. I can't remember the name of the bear. What was the bear's name? Where they shot with a lamp <laughs> gun and blew his hair off of his oh face, his head, and his butt. Oh, uh, uh, the my, bear. he was my favorite character. I think it was Bart the Bear. Bart the Bear. Yeah, it's just talking about it right here. Talking about a ghost story at the family barbecue at the, at the cabin they're at. He says that uh, while they were honeymooning at the same lake, he was attacked by a giant grizzly bear, Bart the Bear. When he fired at it with a shotgun, the buckshot shaved the hair off the top of the bear's head. And from then on, it was known as Bald-Headed Bear of Clare County. Yeah. Maybe Bart the Bear is the actual name He's of the actor, bear. At the end of the movie, they show him. I can see that now because in the movie, they show him standing up and waving. It yeah, says Bart the Bear. What, that's what it is. That's what it is. I'm looking at it now here. But bald-headed bear, what they called him at that point forward. And then at the end of the movie, they shot him again with the same shotgun. But had been <laughs> turned into a lamp. So yes. the glass like, blew the hair off of his butt. So now he was bald on the butt, too. Do you remember when they they go out to eat and uh, Roman, which is uh, Dan Aykroyd's Dan character, Aykroyd, yeah. uh, pulls he's he's trying to get Chet to uh, to do the challenge. If you if he eats everything on the plate, where they get a, they, the meal for free, yeah, and it's a ninety six ounce steak called 96, the old ninety six ounce. Could you do that? Can you even imagine that? No, no. Would you I wouldn't it? even try. No, it ain't no way, dude. 96 ounces. That's what's 96 divided by 16, bro. That's like an eight pound steak. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's eight pounds or not. It's, it's, it's quite it's a bit. It's not quite eight, but it's like it's about, it's, it's, it's about, a, six, it's about a six pound steak. A six pound steak. No, I ain't trying that. You can nope. pick it up and slap somebody in the head. You, gotta and pay me to, you have to pay me to try to eat that. And I don't think I don't think it stopped with the steak either. I think he had to eat it was everything that came with it, wasn't it? Right. And didn't that include the dessert? Mm-hmm. And like a milkshake or something? I think so. I don't know. It was a I lot. It was crazy. Uh all kinds of funny things happened. He's trying to tell uh you got uh John Candy, who is Chet Ripley is his name. Chester Chet Ripley. Uh he's trying to explain to his son about water skiing and how you do things and He's, he's trying to tell them to hold on a minute. And he's like, hold on. 
and they think and he thought he meant go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, yeah. He takes off and he's pulling him across the lake and he's doing everything except skiing. It looks like he's he's on his butt at one point. He's on his back, spinning circles. He's back up on one leg with one ski. It's it's crazy. And then he gets uh, that. Did he did he not? No, I, I'm I'm crossing two movies together. I started. I, I I was thinking, did he not get up and have like holes in the butt of his pants or something? But I'm I, I'm I'm crossing that with a police academy movie. Yeah, I got the bear's name in the movie was Jody because the raccoons was talking. Remember I told you the raccoons were <laughs> my favorite part. Yeah, like, why is Jody sitting in the lake and the other raccoons like you ain't here? She got shot in the in the butt. And then the other one was like, oh, no, don't tell me. And that other raccoon was like, yeah, she's bald on both ends now. <laughs> the raccoons was funny as I'll get out. That's what y'all got to see that, man. They was The raccoons they was like, they get in the trash and open the doors and stuff. It's like, why do you think we got these nifty opposable thumbs to scratch our butts with? They say cuss words on there to open. Release, release date, June, June 17th, 1988. I think it made me a sophomore in high school when this came out. Mm-hmm. 90 minutes long. Just that's about the average length of a movie at that point in time, especially a comedy factor. Yeah, about an hour. I think, hour and I think a half. 90, I think 90 minutes was the magic number. It was like it was a sweet yep. spot, an hour and a half long. An hour and a half. Just long enough for someone to enjoy it and everything and build up a storyline and get and not get uncomfortable in the chair and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Right. That's pretty much it. Heck yeah. What else do we have here? Uh, who else is in this movie? Just, so we got to go over these next few in the next five minutes in order to not break that rule. <laughs> break that rule? That's right. I don't think we could do that, though. What's no. next? Well, what's this? We won't even go with the rest of the people in here because there was nobody of really you know, interest anyway, I don't think. I mean, so, not really. The raccoons. I, I, think Ian, I think the youngest son, Ian, or maybe he's the just the son, Ian Giotti. Giotti. Yeah, Giotti. I think he was from some Ian baseball Giotti. movie, some some kids' uh, baseball movie or something. They were. Was he in the Sandlot? No, he wasn't in. The, I, I don't think he was in the Sandlot. I, I might even be wrong about it. He just says the name that stands out to me for something, you know. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, what 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 would you say? You know what? what I bet you. Say? I bet you. I know. Hang on. Let me. I can't. I can't run past this. Let me say. I think you he might sound familiar to you because you were describing to me girls just want to have fun and he was Zach and girls just want to have fun. No, that's not what I'm thinking. Well, that's what it was. Who was Zach? Oh, that was the kid. The girls want to just want to have fun. Yeah, that, that was that was the young brother. The yeah, younger yeah, brother. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's who he was. Oh, okay, that's who he was in this too. Then, yeah, okay, yeah. I got you. Chris Young is the older son. Mm-hmm. I got you. Okay, you're right. That's where I know the name from. Then, yeah, yeah, because he wasn't there. I didn't see him in much else. But I remember us both because you watched it, and then I, I was like, "Well, that sounds kind of interesting. If it's worth wasting some time, I got." So I went back and watched it, and it was a decent little movie. So yeah, next up is uh, surely this is one of the two toss-ups that's going to be its biggest movies. It has to be. I mean, Home Alone. Nasty. That was that was an absolute great movie. It was very fun. Christmas yeah. movie. The Christmas, Christmas movie. movie. Great. Uh, released Christmas in uh, nineteen ninety, November sixteenth, nineteen ninety, in the United States. Ran mm-hmm. for 100, 103 minutes. So we right. got about what hour and forty three minutes there. Hundred three. Yeah. Eighteen million dollar budget. Oh my god! Eighteen million dollars. But 
luckily it covered it covered by a fair fair amount it covered a by uh, you know just a little subtract that mm, we'll say it covered by four hundred and fifty eight million it covered yeah. by yeah, yeah i would say so <laughs> I mean, dollars worldwide. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> I, I think it's safe to say that they did well with that movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was a fun look. Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, the Wet Bandits. They're so hilarious. That is and then, just too much. Like man. Kevin went hard too. Like there they are. Mm. The end but of the Kev movie. Went, Kev went hard though. Kev went hard. But the, the end of the first movie, when they come in and he has got the blueprint laid out of the house and all the booby traps and everything he is setting up. Right. Dude, what what kid at this age supposedly thinks of these kind of things and these traps and builds them like that? Uh it was just exactly it, it was it was really hilarious. I mean, oh my this god. Movie, you know many... I know I said I laughed till I cried at some things with Ferris Bueller. The end of this movie had me in tears for the entire last 15 minutes of the movie when he's fighting off these guys with all the booby right. traps. Right. What about two? How many? I think it wasn't this one. I think it was the second one since we're doing this as a franchise. Uh, how many talk boys did they sell? Remember the thing where it took the tape and you could talk into it and change your voice? You could do like a. Um, um, Mechanical top voice. I imagine like, all the kids at his age geez. at that time wanted one, probably. Oh yeah, everybody, everybody. Because I, you know, me being born in eighty, I was approximately ten years old when this came out. Well, if it came out in the Christmas of nineteen ninety, I was eleven. No, I was ten. I just turned ten. Yeah. So anyway, I was ten years old when this came out. So I was right on time with it. I was. And I do believe, believe John Candy was school. in this one too. No, I was. I was a senior in high school, ninety to ninety one. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, at that point, I'm old. Ah, I'm old. you got a couple do years you, on me anyway. Do you know Home Alone that says gross $476.7 million worldwide, becoming the highest grossing live-action comedy until the release of what movie in 2011? Okay, ask me that one more time. All right. Home Alone grossed $476.7 million worldwide, yeah. becoming the highest grossing live action comedy until the release of this movie in 2011. 2011. Dude, that's a long time to be on top. The Hangover Part 2. Really? Yes. Whoa. I the was way off part track. Two knocked it off. Man alive. That had to be because of inflation. I don't know, because The Hangover was funny, boy. It was a funny movie. But this is the second Hangover on top but of it. Not just the first John one. Candy was in this movie, too, though. Uh, in Home Alone? Yep, he had a small part. Remember, he was sitting at the... Uh, he was, was he on a bowling team or something? Playing a cello or something? He's making his mom feel better. Uh, he played Gus. Uh, let's see here. Gus Polinski. So John Candy was in this one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, there it is. A polka musician who helps Kate. Polka, that's it. He's a polka musician. Yeah. So he was making her feel better about leaving her kid back at home and everything. <laughs> yeah, I think he was actually at a wasn't it what they like she was trying to get back home to him and it was she was either at an airport or a bus yeah, station or right. something like that. Yep. I think it's the airport. 
Yeah. And their their bad. bus had broke down. The polka guy's bus had broke down. Yeah. She got, no, she got, I believe she ended up getting on the bus with them to go back. She was at the air station. They were there, but then their bus got fixed. So she rode with them. I think, I believe that's how it went. And this movie had uh, Macaulay Culkin's younger brother in it too, as well. Kieran Culker? As a, uh, as a brief, as a, yeah, he's the one who kept wetting the bed. Nobody wanted to sleep with him. Right. And then yeah. he got left behind because uh, the daughter, one of the daughters was counting heads, but then the next door neighbor's kid was in the line. And then right before he left, he got out of the line and went back home. So she thought they had yeah. everybody. But you see, Catherine O'Hara, John Hurd were the parents. You had, mm -hmm. I love Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. She's so good. She, she was the great. mom, too, in um, uh, Beetlejuice. Yep. Lydia's, well, Lydia's stepmom. Right. Uh, somebody who's been in a lot of stuff had a bit part in it. Uh, Billy Bird mm -hmm. was in there. She was the uh, woman who uh, sold Kate her ticket to Dallas. Yes. She was in the TV show Dear John. I think she was, um, for some reason, Night Court stands out to me in hmm. television. I may be wrong on her, but uh, right. you know she's been in a lot of stuff, though. I, the, just the whole thought of you left your kid at home on a family vacation, your Christmas vacation, is right. just crazy. Crazy as can be. Uh, kind of jumping ahead, though, uh, going to the next one because we're doing the for the franchise uh i mean to happen once is one thing right but to happen right. a second time is another altogether different and you done lost your kid in an airport he's on the wrong plane y'all are somewhere else he's in new york having the time of his life it seems with like, the bird lady that. with the bird lady exactly and this one the second movie this one had a 28 million dollar budget and uh, it didn't do quite as well as the first movie, I'm afraid. But yeah, it, 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 sure it did cover. It, did, it, it did. didn't do as well. No, it, it didn't, did. but it, it did cover with $359 million made. So <laughs> I, right. I would say that uh, they still did fairly well with it. Mm -hmm. um, new people in this one, Tim Curry, Brenda Fricker. Yeah. Brenda Fricker uh, was the pigeon lady. Tim Curry was the concierge. And Tim Curry had that just, you know, he, he played that role brilliantly as the guy at the hotel who is trying to suck up to all the guests, no matter if it's a 90-year-old right. kid or a 90-year-old rich tycoon who's just there to spend his money. Right. Uh, until he figures out that uh, the credit cards are reported stolen or lost. Mm -hmm. And this kid is using them. He thinks he's called himself a crook or something. Uh, of all people to run into it, of all places, they run into the Wet Bandits. The or he wet runs into the Wet Bandits again. again. But only this time, Marv, no, not Marv. Marv is the uh, is Joe Pesci, right? No, Marv's Daniel Stern. You got it right. Is Marv Daniel Stern? Yeah, Joe okay. Pesci's Harry. That's it. Marv wants to change their names to the Sticky Bandits. Right. He's done went put stuff on his gloves and he's stealing hats off of kids and scars off of them and everything else. <laughs> Harry thinks he sees Kevin in the city at one point, but then dismisses this as nah, couldn't be, you know, right. they go on and sure enough, sure enough, he runs into him. Mm -hmm. So they're going to get their revenge on him, right? Funny. One of the funniest things in the movie happens at that point. He doesn't know what to do to get away from him. So he reaches up and he pinches the woman's butt in front of him. The woman turns around like, what? And he goes, he did it. 
Right. <laughs> Starts beating the crap out of Marv. <laughs> Takes off. Uh, what is it? He has uh, an uncle in the city. Is that what it is? He he runs to the uncle's house. It's there. So if it's up for renovation. But that wasn't Uncle Frank's place, was it? Or was Uncle Frank living with him? I don't remember. I don't think it was Uncle Frank's place. I think they just went on vacation together. But he was at. Uh, you don't actually see the people. Right. At all. They're, 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 these people are having their house renovated. Basically, is what's happening. Right. So he runs to there as a place that he knows, and ends up that's where he is setting everything up, you know, to get at the wet bandits. Uh, other names in here. Um, Rob Schneider's in it. He's one of the mm -hmm. bell the the bellhops. Right. And Rob Schneider's a funny guy on his own. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier. Let's see where'd she go here. Brenda Fricker. Brenda Fricker, yeah, the bird lady. Yeah, Tim Curry, Catherine O'Hare. Got some uh, celeb names on here: Bob Eubanks, Rip Taylor, J. P. Morgan, Jimmy Walker. I guess there was a game. Dynamite. It's dynamite. <laughs> it's all about the money. It's about the money. Oh, uh, I can't get that stupid commercial out of my head. He's in these days. The Trumpster, I believe the Trumpster had a cameo. Donald, I was about to say Donald Trump was actually in it momentarily. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, actually, uh, I think it, it passes by him at the, the hotel or something. I think. Yeah, at, yeah. At the hotel. So fun movie. Now, did you have a, a preference over the first one or the second one? Man, God Almighty, that's such a hard choice. That I, that I, you'd have to give me time. That'd be one of them where I'd have to like take time and analyze and come up with a really good reason why one was better than the other one. Because yeah. both of those to me are on par. Like that's one that I'd have a really hard time picking which one was better because they were both just out of this world. Yeah. Here we talk about. Um... <laughs> Columbus said Trump had bullied his way into the film. Columbus planned to leave his scene out, but kept it as a test audiences cheered when Trump appeared. Mm -hmm. Culkin himself later endorsed a petition dated out Trump's cameo in the film in 2021 when he replied to a tweet asking to digitally replace Trump with an older rendition of Culkin. Boy, a lot of hate going on for the Trumpster, boy, wasn't they, it? They hate the Trumpster, boy. They hate hey, if, if he was such a mean tweeter, he wouldn't have been hated so much, probably, I guess. That's true. That's true. Um, up here, uh, what do you think Macaulay Culkin made in these two movies? Uh, enough to where he could be a crackhead and come back from it. The first movie. <laughs> the first movie, he was paid $110,000 to make the movie. As a kid. As a kid. Uh, in May of 1991, Culkin was paid four and a half million plus five percent of the film's gross Ooh. to appear in the sequel. Dang! So, in order to get him to come back and do Home Alone two, yeah, somebody that, did some good negotiating for the kid there. Well, I mean, they he only made them four hundred and some odd million dollars the first time around. I know, right? It's like, I come mean, on, guys, they got to come off some of that money for that point, you know. Yeah, but anyway, movies are great. Uh, good Christmas feel to them and everything. It's a fun, fun movie that time of year for Christmas. Yeah, and, and we purposely and didn't we, even we, mention we number three of, because we we didn't get a, right because who, who did you, uh, did you watch three? I've, I didn't. I may have saw some of it while it was on TV. I think oh, I had I the kid that played the 
that not even the good Dennis the Menace went on it. So. No, no, I didn't even watch any of it. Yeah, no. So. It was not for me. Not for me at all. But there is a third one, just so y'all know. Yes. Next. Next. But bam. Now we're getting to the vacation. We're getting to the nitty gritty now. Yeah, this is National this Lampoons. Is, this is there again at the top of the list of, of his best for me. That's Clark W. Griswold. Dying to take the family on a vacation across country to go to Wally World. Mm-hmm. I guess that's their version of Disney World. Mm-hmm. And he's determined they are going to get there. Uh, at one point, having to stop by and pick up Aunt Edna, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And Aunt Edna ends up what dying on the trip. Yeah. Uh, with him. And he's got her at one point sitting on the roof of the car. I think it was. Or they're going down the road. Um, one of the yeah. funniest things to me was them going down the road and Chrissy, yeah, Chrissy Brinkley is just playing around with him on the road. She's driving this fancy car. It's a real fast car. Was it, was it a Ferrari or something? 1981 Ferrari 308 GTSI. So she's driving this car <laughs> down Bass Pass. I would always depend on you for the car, man. Oh, I can always depend on you to tell me what the car is. What was the car? I, don't know. Look, I tell you what. Who was she, who's driving it? I don't know. <laughs> you, look, you were great with cars, like, but if you ever need any help wanting to know where the blinker fluid goes, you let me know. That's and I right. Point out to you where you put the blinker fluid. Give at. me the blinker fluid. That's right. I, I can do that because I'm, I'm I'm good like that. Heck yeah. Uh, but she's she's toying with him on the road, going faster and slowing down. Whatever she passes him, he passes her or whatever. Uh, they pull off at a park to eat lunch, a little picnic. And mm-hmm. Aunt Edna has brought her dog with her, a little annoying dog. And as he sees Christy Brinkley off in the distance again, she's doing stuff and she notices him and she waves at him and everything. And he's dancing around out there by the tree. And, you know, he's waving at her. I think he he kisses the sandwich. He's taking a bite out of it. And he kisses <laughs> the sandwich and blows a kiss at her. All of a sudden, you hear in the background, oh, no, the dog peed in the picnic basket. Oh, he God. He starts spitting all the food out. Uh, hilarious part of it. And then, right. I, 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 what is it that, that, oh, they drive all this way across country just to find out that Wally World is Wally closed. World's closed. And who else is in this movie? This Who else is in this John Hughes movie? Who who plays the security guard of the park? Ah, uh, was it John Candy? John Candy. He was as Lasky. Lasky, the security guard. I I don't remember the name, but I do know he's yeah. in it though. So what's again? It's got a, quite a few people in the twos. Uh, of course, Anthony Michael Hall is Rusty. Rusty, yep. We got Randy Quaid. We got Beverly D'Angelo. We got uh, uh, Eugene Levy. Yeah, who is absolutely hilarious. He's like that's one of the best dry. Humor guys out there. Frank McCray. Who's uh, that, that name rings a bell? Frank, Frank McCray. McCray. I don't know that one. Oh, uh, it rings a bell. He was a professional football player. That's what it was. Oh, okay. That may be why. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. James Keach was in it. Mm-hmm. Stacy's son. Yeah, son of actor Stacy Keach Sr. Yeah, brother, yeah. brother of actor Stacy Keach Jr. Oh, the uh, now, Christy Brinkley, yeah. as we said, and, and uh, this is our, our first introduction to cousin Eddie. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Randy Quaid um, is cousin Eddie. Now, of the National Lampoon's movies, you've got National Lampoon's, we just talked about it. You've got the European Vacation, where they win a all expenses, a paid trip right. on the TV on the TV game show. Do, without looking, do you remember the name of the TV game show they played? I do they not. Won? I do not. Pig in a Poke, I think it was called. Pig in a Poke. And they win, <laughs> the, they win the, the, the vacation to go there. They take their trip. And, of course, the, the one of the things about these movies is there's never the same two kids playing the role of Russ and Audrey. Right. Always different kids. Always different kids. And remember, the first two movies John did the screenplay for. So Yeah. Yeah. Harold yeah. Ramis, uh, Harold Ramis directed the first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Harold Ramis. Um, I, I take it, but you know he was uh, in Ghostbusters. Yeah, I think he was Egon, wasn't he? Yes, the great Harold Ramis. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff, like amazing amount of stuff that people don't even know about. Like that dude was something else. Talking about Harold Ramis. Yes, yes, he was. Yeah. And, uh, but the Vegas vacation was kind of cool. They were over there. I'm sorry, Vegas vacation. I'm sorry, I got sidetracked. Uh, European vacation. Uh, they're visiting well, we've only been on for two hours now. So I know. We're, we're, we're definitely. Nobody can hold you responsible now for your we, brain not working. We definitely can't focus or function. We're used to 60 minutes here. We're 60, <laughs> minutes, we're 60 minute man, not 120 minute, okay? Right. So. If we had a Ric Flair thing, we'd put that in right there. Woo! Uh, we uh, they they all across Europe, and several things and you know happened. It's so funny. Uh, there's a videotape made of of um, Beverly D'Angelo's character uh, that's kind of gotten out of, like her getting out of the shower or something. Next thing you know, she's on billboards across Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, Gosh, the, they run over a guy with a bike in England, and he blood's like squirting everywhere. He's like, "Are you okay?" And he's, "I'm fine. I'm perfectly fine. Just a couple of bruises. The bike's just a little bit messed up. I'll get it fixed." And they ask him, "Can he point him out to someplace?" He he just it's right over there. When he does, blood just goes, whoosh, whoosh, you know, blood's <laughs> going everywhere. You sure you want to see a doctor for that? Oh no, it's just a little nick. I'll be all right. It's great. Oh, and, and uh, William Zabka played Audrey's boyfriend in this movie. Yes, yeah. Which was uh, that's Johnny. That's Johnny just, from uh, Justice. Justice for Sweet Johnny. Like to say, yeah, Justice for Johnny. Sweet that's another, another story for another day, right there. Got my Cobra Kai dojo posted right there. <laughs> we'll talk about this. We'll talk about this Justice for Johnny. You know what? I should have worn my Cobra Kai shirt. <laughs> Heck yeah! That's what I should have done. Uh, now. When it came to Vegas vacation, I know this is uh, after, of course, Christmas vacation, but did he have anything to do with Vegas vacation at all? Not that I know of. I didn't I, see I didn't where see his he name. Yeah, I didn't see his I didn't... name tied to it. Mm-mm. Christmas vacation, yeah. though. Now, if Christmas. we about that one, he wrote movies. He wrote that one, not just screenplayed it. So yes. A screenplay, they bring you an idea or you take an idea from a short story or a book or whatever, and you screenplay it. It's basically an adaptation for film, whereas writing this from scratch he wrote this with the intention for the movie right now when, when you think of 80s and christmas movies there's not a lot of them that come to mind right but except for this one this will 1989 well, for sure yeah. you've got i mean unless you're including tv movies i'm not including tv movies yeah uh, these are box office hits and movies you had you had a christmas story 
mm-hmm. Peter Billingsley, you know. You had yes, one hundred percent with the leg lamp. You had Die right. Hard in nineteen eighty eight. That that everybody that a lot of people goes like it's not a Christmas movie. No, we are like, not paying them no attention. What what Die day is he movie? What day is he there to visit his <laughs> wife on his party? What what's the day? Do you remember? What's the I, day? Christmas Eve? I, should be Christmas Eve, yeah. Christmas Eve. Why is she Christmas had a movie? Why she had a party on Christmas Eve anyway? Who knows? Lethal Weapon had a Christmas theme, the first one. It did. It did at some point. Uh some people will say it is, some will say it's not. But you and, and the other ones for sure, you know, you got Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. You got the, the Prancer. Said, the, was Prancer the, Prancer. No, Prancer was nineties or was that eighties? No, Prancer was in the eighties. Okay, I thought so. Prancer was in the eighties for sure, and I haven't seen. I didn't see that movie until just this year too. Oh wow! Uh, guilty of that. I was like, how did I never watch this movie? My grandmother yeah. actually took me to see that in the dollar movies that we had here. So that's like the dollar movies is like the transition from the movies to you know pick a flick or blockbuster back in the day. So that little lull in between, we had a dollar movies where you just right. go in and you could, they'd be in the dollar movie for about three months. So you can go in there and spend a dollar and watch the movie. And if you're really cheap, you buy a ticket for a dollar and you go in and you watch that movie and you watch a little happy butt over to another theater and watch another one while you're in you, there. You could get away with that in the 80s. Sure enough. Right. Right. 80s and early 90s, you could really get I'm away with that. I'm not saying that I did it or anything. Yeah. I'm not. But, I'm not saying um, that I did it either. Yeah, but no. I, I'm also not saying that we would open the back door and let friends in from the back door after you got in. You could uh-huh. go back and let friends in. Uh, yeah. I, I Nowadays they come around with a little clicker and count the amount of tickets sold and how many people's in the theater. And yeah. I can honestly say I never snuck anybody in. I didn't do that. But <laughs> I would be lying just a little bit if I didn't say that I walked into a couple extra movies every now and then. <laughs> right. I would spend an entire day at a theater uh, during a, this one summer in particular. I remember they had an arcade outside the theater. They had several places to sit down and eat. So it was a place called Fountain Square in Nashville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, it is no longer there. It hasn't been Fountain Square in quite some time. But they had some shops there. They had a Hooters there. A TGI mm-hmm. Fridays was there. And of course, the the it's like fourteen screen theater, a big arcade right next door to it. You could take paddle boats out to this little lake thing they had in back behind of it, and all. It was it was a cool place to go to spend the day at. But um, um, the uh, I thought of Christmas movies. You just didn't have a lot of matter to, to 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 choose from in Vegas. But I'm looking at the darn screen again. Christmas Vacation. <laughs> Christmas Vacation. Christmas um, Vacation is such a fun Christmas movie because I mean, I mean, like I said, you can't beat Clark W. Griswold. He's always over the top on everything. The yeah. lights on the house would you could see the light, you could see his house from the North Pole. I mean, Santa right, would right. find him at. No problems there. Mm-hmm. Um, the squirrel getting loose in the house. Um, him getting mad at his boss for not giving him the raise to cover what he wanted to do. And puts him in the Jelly of the Month Club where Cousin Eddie says, Well, Clark, it's the gift that keeps on giving. And he tells everybody, you know, if you really want to get me something, you can bring me here and give for after with a bow. And he goes on, proceeds his long name he calls his boss. I can't even remember right. how it goes anymore. It's been so long. That and just something where he fried the cat. Yeah. You know, but, like but, um, cousin, Randy's uh trailer. 
daggum the sewer line on it got messed up or something and they're gonna crapper's full yeah crapper's full <laughs> that man that, everything happened in that movie dude but then he tells but uh you know I feel like from the na- of the national lampoon movies this one is my favorite it, yeah i would say it is too yeah. Uh, but you know when, when Clark is telling anybody what they can get him for Christmas, cousin Eddie takes it to heart and goes and kidnaps the man and brings him back to the bow. <laughs> yeah, puts him right where he tells him he wants him to in the house. He says exactly right there in, in that spot. spot. Yeah, he took it a little bit too seriously. A little too much. Uh, so anyway, had, great uh, movie. Johnny Galecki, I think, is neat too. That he played Rusty. He was uh Dar. We don't remember his name, but he was Darlene's boyfriend on Roseanne. <laughs> Actually, yes, David. He was. David, David was the name. David, yeah. yes. Then we had Juliet Lewis, brother, Audrey in this one. His brother, Juliet Lewis, right, right. And, and like I said, it's funny because no, in each movie, the kids were never the same at all. Starkly different too. Like this, it's like they made an. It's like they made an effort to make them look as differently as they could. Right, like in the European <laughs> Vacation, which is before Rusty looks like he's probably. Seven, 16, 17 years old or something. <laughs> right. But in Christmas vacation, years down the road, looks like he's back down to being 13 or 14. Right. I mean, come on with it. What's what's what, what's going on? What's really going on with this? What's really going on? But anyway. It's also had Julia Louis-Dreyfus in it. Right. Playing in one of the I neighbors. Like her. And, one of the uh, neighbors. She was very unhappy with his choice of Christmas lights. She did not like that. She I don't think she liked him. I don't think she liked the Griswolds to begin with, period. Right. But it's okay. You can't it's funny to me that it's funny to me that she's in it, and then Doris Roberts is in it. No, that wasn't okay. I'm sorry. I got for a half a second. I was like, you got two Seinfeld actors in here, but Doris was actually Raymond's mother on Everybody Loves Raymond. Not right. uh, for some reason, I was thinking she was George Costanza's mother, but that wasn't no, her. No, it clicked no. as right before I said it. But yeah, she was on Everybody Loves Raymond, and she was hilarious on there too. She was funnier than Raymond. His supporting cast was funnier than him. I'm gonna I say, say a lot of people was funnier than Raymond. Yeah, that's not too big of a surprise. So to go ahead, since we are at one hour and fifty three minutes here, right? Uh, go ahead and say, uh, first off, we are sorry we took so long with the podcast tonight, but this deserved two hours of time. John Hughes was such a huge director, producer, writer of everything he's, that we loved in the 80s. I mean, it's legitimately and an ingrained part of our culture, you know. Yes. I mean, I mean for real. It's I, not that's not exaggerating. The the teen the way he captured the teen movies in the 80s mm-hmm. it was, was was just outstanding and great. Yeah. So if, if if anybody deserved 2 hours of time, it was definitely John Hughes. He's 100%. had so many great movies and everything. And 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 then later on in the future, we'll cover some of the other directors and everything. And who knows if if we get that wild hair of our tail again, they may get a couple hours too if we feel them that they're worthy at that point in time. Right. We'll wait and see. But I mean, for somebody who came out with the National Lampoon's movies, Mr. Mom, Sixteen Candles, Weird Science, The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Pretty in Pink, Some Kind of Wonderful, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, She's Having a Baby. Uncle Buck, Home Alone, Dutch, and Beethoven, Dennis the Menace, and Baby's Day Out, and that's even not, not even half the list. <laughs> not even you know half the list. There, it definitely didn't include Matilda or uh, what Flubber. I think it was. He Flubber. Was he did the screenplay for Flubber. He Flubber. did 101 Dalmatians with Glenn Close. He yeah. did uh, stuff. 
I mean, up until the day the man passed, he was going at it. I mean, nonstop, it seemed like. So, I mean, everybody has a lot. I don't want to say that we owe John Hughes, but, I mean, he brought us so much entertainment and 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 and, and made so many stars mm-hmm. back in his day that we got to enjoy growing up with and watching that I'm glad we had the time to sit here and talk, even if we did go well over our normal time limit and everything. Right. Um, that being said, uh, we'll go ahead and take a quick moment here and tell you about our social media real quick. So take a look at this and then we'll be right back with you. You know, social media is a very important thing these days. It's the way that you keep up with us and the way that we hear from you. So if you would take a moment and follow us, we're located at TikTok, Facebook, at Instagram, at our name, Retro Life for You. That's R E T R O L I F E, the number four Y O U. You can also reach us via email at RetroLifeForYou at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe and follow and share us with your friends. And hey, while you're at it, do us a huge favor and leave us a great five star review and a rating. It helps in ranking the podcast and most importantly, lets us know how we're doing for you. All right, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, All YouTube, Snapchat, believe it or not, Travis, mm-hmm. Snapchat. Oh, Snapchat. Uh, I don't I don't make use of it for anything, but I'll throw it out there that uh, Retro Life for You has a Snapchat. So if you, there you find go. It, if you find it on there, it's me. You know, you can hit me up on there it. I'll talk it. with you. That's all good. I don't mind. Um, we are available once again on iTunes and Stitcher, Google. What am I missing? iTunes? Did I say iTunes? Yeah. Gosh, it sucks. Going, we got them all covered. It sucks going for two hours. You can't remember nothing. If you and here we are. the end of this show, you will find us. You will search us out and uh, you will be successful. I, I believe you. you. That is right because you stuck with us for this long. <laughs> if you're one of the people that just watched two minutes of it, though, well, thank you for watching those two minutes. We appreciate right. it. Still hit awesome. that like button. Still, you know, yeah. Rock hit and roll. that like button. Hit the bell that tells you when we're coming on. Make sure you follow yeah. and subscribe to us because one of these days we're going to have something you really want to watch and you'll be mad that you missed it. Exactly. I can't help you with it at that point because you didn't do what I asked you to do. But, you know, you guys are awesome and I know you're going to do it. So, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, finger guns. Hey, hey, hey. All right. Um, Travis? Yes. Until our next one. Signing off. Over and out. Good night. Great, wonderful people. And Chris. <laughs> that didn't come out of the way I meant for it to. But all the, all the jokes you done cracked on me, I'm not even sorry. I know you. <laughs> what he said, everybody. Bye now. <laughs>